this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's Action Movie Anatomy here on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got a very exciting movie to talk about with you right now. We are talking about Blade Runner 2049, the follow-up 30 years later to one of the most classic science fiction films ever made. Maybe the most classic. Let's talk about the movie, guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, shit! It never gets old. It never gets old. <laughs> this does not feel like this movie at all. Not <laughs> at all. Uh, mm. yeah. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the show! Oh, I'm so excited, man. Welcome back. It's crazy. Uh, I We're back. It feels like it's been, like, years since we've done a show. It's so weird that when you and I take literally not even an entire week off, we filmed an episode less than a week ago. Yeah, And yeah. it just, it feels like... It's been it's ages. just weird. It's it's what happens when I mean we've been consistent for a hundred hundred plus weeks. We just we don't really miss weeks. So when it doesn't happen, it feels like the whole the whole world. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, it guys, like everything's off. I'm sorry. I'm tweet. I'm sending out a message to everyone in our Facebook groups, on our Twitter. Just uh, just live tweeting this. For live John. tweet. Live tweeting this for Mr. <laughs> Roca. Uh, if you guys are on social media, you can find me at Andrew Guy. You guys can find me at Ben Baby Media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can find our Facebook fan page. For Action Movie Anatomy, which is getting dangerously close to a thousand members, yeah, uh, and also you know the Action Army fan group for Schmodown, which is a little bit of a hiatus move at the moment. Uh, you know, we don't have another match coming up for a minute, but, uh, but we're coming for you. In November. God damn, is an exciting you match against <laughs> Droopy the dog and the kid from Up. We're gonna destroy you, destroy losers! Destroy you, losers! So uh, anyway, guys, uh, we're here to talk about uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Follow up to nineteen eighty two's Ridley Scott classic. Probably, I would say, if you were gonna make the list. For the most famous science fiction film ever made, uh, the only one that is distinctly ahead of it is just the whole Star Star Wars trilogy because it's like a different kind of thing. But if you're talking about cult classic sci-fi, that's like really hard sci-fi because those are like adventure movies. Really, mm-hmm. this is the most it, this is the most famous sci-fi film ever made. Yeah, it's interesting because Blade Runner is one of those movies that like. Well, sorry, Blade Runner the original, not yeah. 2049. Yeah, you don't even. Um, if you don't like Blade Runner, you don't tell people that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just not a thing that you really say uh, because you just kind of sound like a jackass because it's like, first of all, most everyone that is our age are, yeah. you know, we're the, are the type of people that we talk to movies about. We miss Blade Runner, you it's know? from 1982. Just uh, spoiler alert, guys, I was born in 1988. And so was I. <laughs> and so, like, when you go back and you watch movies, despite Blade Runner being so iconic, it was like, we needed to go watch Star Wars and Terminator and Aliens. And, yeah. and obviously, we still had people telling us about Blade Runner, but... The things that made this movie so incredible today are exactly why people loved it so much then, but we were just too late to the party. What's really fascinating about those examples you just used is it's a prime example in our culture of relevance. So each of those was franchised and made into multiple, multiple installments over time, which is why growing up, they seemed like these things you would go to the drugstore and buy a toy on the wall because the companies and the studios understood if we keep making these movies, they can become these sort of like mushroom effect things where the whole world believes we're supposed to buy in. Um, and I think it's such a distinct difference between Blade Runner and those others. Now, Blade Runner is hard sci-fi, and it's much, much more R-rated and adult than, say, like Star Wars 1. Yeah, and then the things that you can take from the super R-rated movies like Terminator and Aliens is, like, you can take the you can take the Alien, you can take the Xenomorph, you can take the Terminator. Like, there's fun things from it. From Blade Runner, it's like, what are you going to take right. to, like, sell his kids' toys other than, like, Deckard? 
you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously the replicants. But yeah, and the car. The really weird replicants. It just didn't seem as... Um, Daryl Hannah as a toy would be like a sex toy. Yeah, it'd be really <laughs> creepy. It doesn't seem as palatable for kids. And like, yeah. and the franchise argument you make is, is very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason, obviously. Like, it's, you know, Alien... But I guess it's, it's weird, because Alien 1, which is three years prior, also directed by Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. feels like a movie that wouldn't have necessarily been franchised. And, totally. And James Cameron was like, yeah, I'm going to make this into an action franchise, and he did. And then it turning into an action franchise, I think, in turn, became this massive cult following where it was like, even if you didn't see Aliens as a kid, you wanted a Xenomorph toy because they were scary and badass. Yeah, it's in a weird sort of way. It's like James Cameron is almost like the most responsible for science fiction franchising of all time. Like, no one, I think he, like, almost is single-handedly, like, the father of the science fiction franchise. Right, and, he, and uh, oh, sorry, keep going. He, like, basically made that a thing. You know, like, I, I guess, like, the Star Wars trilogy existed as, a, as its own beast, but the fact that he made the sequel to Aliens, then he was like, all right, well, I'll just make the sequel to Terminator now, too. Why not? Right, right. And now he's like, I'll make five avatars. Uh, <laughs> sweet. Good move, man. Uh, we have someone in the chat in here named Charlie Sverko. He said it flopped in 82 and took time to earn respect, which is very interesting. Charlie, how is that are your boy? You? Is that Darby? That's my... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, boy. Uh, I So, guys, big shout-out to Charlie, who's watching live right now, which is exciting. And to everyone in the Action Army, all the noodles out there, all the crazy people. We are very happy that you're here. I said noodles. You yeah. don't understand. <laughs> so, full circle, guys. Sometimes on the show, I talk about when I was a kid. <laughs> that look and, you gave uh, me when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck did you just say, noodles? What'd you uh, call me? Uh, when I was a kid, I used to walk down to the local video store, like the hard video store you'd get, you know, like DVDs, actual ones. And uh, I'd mill around for a couple hours after after school. And I was like 14, 15 years old. And I became friends with Charlie, who's in the chat. Yeah. And Charlie would recommend all these old movies for me to watch. He'd get, and everything from like, I watched Rafifi, which is like a, <laughs> yes. that's like a French heist movie. It's black and white. Uh, I watched everything, all kinds of old stuff from the 30s and 40s. And he would just give me a stack of movies. And that's why I learned about movies. And so it's crazy that all these years later, he's watching a live episode right now of me talking about Blade Runner, <laughs> which is a DVD he gave me to take home in like 2004 or something. Yeah, he says he says hello. And it's funny because Charlie's like a legend in our friendship. You've, yeah. told, you've told me so many stories about him. I mean, I watched hundreds of movies <laughs> in high school because of this guy. So uh, what's up, Charlie? Thanks for watching. So anyway, guys, we're going to get into the full show. episode. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. We talk about action movies on this show. This is the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, pop culture, by the bucket full. And today we're talking about Blade Runner 2049, the sequel to the aforementioned film. Yeah. Um, you know, is this the best movie of the year so far? Like, it, there's so many good movies this year for there me. There is. I mean, I saw Wind River was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Logan, Wonder, Logan Woman, Wonder Woman, Baby oh Driver. I know, I keep forgetting it's... Dunkirk. It's almost November, so we've had a whole year... I don't know. I can't say that. I have to look at the full list, but I think it might be. Yeah. I really think it might be. And and when we get into thesis, it's tough because I, sci-fi is not my genre. It's just not. Like, I love sci-fi. I love fantasy, but it's not. I know action. I know comedy. I know drama. I know yeah. rom-com. Everything better than, than sci-fi. And, like, the way that this movie made me feel about science fiction movies as a whole yeah. makes me feel like it's got to be one of the greatest ever made. Well... See, I think one really interesting point you bring up here, and guys, uh, I do want to let everybody know here, we are going to be breaking down the full movie for you, uh, the whole deal. Director, yeah. stars of the film, we're going to be ranking right now the the most bankable, famous, living movie stars. The ones working today, we're going to be ranking a top ten. The question is, does Ryan Gosling do Harrison Ford? Either one of them make that top ten. You're going to hear our rankings later on the show. We are also going to talk about films that need to be seen in theaters versus ones that you can watch comfortably on your computer mm. or at home, as well as all the other fun games you come to expect, thesis statements and favorite lines and fist pump moments and all of the things in between. We're going to talk about Ana de Armas and how charming she is in this oh film. Oh my gosh. I'm in love <laughs> with sorry, my girlfriend, Roxy Stryer. <laughs> And I love Ana de Armas also. <laughs> That's good. It's a very good cover. Uh, yeah, Ana de Armas is just like, she is just perfect in this. Um, so let's let's get into the movie. <laughs> let's talk about the rules of, of uh, what this movie's got to follow. Action movie anatomy, yes. yes. Uh, rule number one in action movie anatomy, the hero always plays by their own rules. So weird when you're talking about a replicant, because he clearly doesn't play by and his own rules. he can't, and then he... 
what's so interesting is he he starts to think that he's not. So he kind of starts to play by his own rules, but then you realize he just he just doesn't. He yeah. never he never does. He never did. I wasn't programmed to do it. Deckard, on the other hand, does play by his own rules, but yeah. he's not really the hero since you don't see him for almost two hours into the film. Yeah. Rule number two: the hero <laughs> and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, animals, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. Well, um, you know, uh, love. That's it, right. Joy. Is, yeah. Joy's his girl. Loves the other girl. Yeah. Love is the is the is the evil one in Neander Wallace. They're both. They've got to be the smartest people. They're almost the smartest yeah. people in the whole movie. Yeah, I would agree. So she's she's the smartest villain. Uh, he's I guess he's the smartest. Like the as the hero, he is smart. He's discovering things as he goes. Yeah, he's discovering things as they go. And I also I love that moment uh, when she says, "Oh, you thought it was you, didn't you? We all did." And yeah. like he has a great moment of being a hero there, where he's just like, <laughs> you, you know, he feels a little stupid. Yeah. But he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to do my thing. I got to do my job. And I, I loved that moment. I yeah. love that moment. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I don't think there's a smartest hero in the room in this movie, really. Uh, I, it doesn't feel like he is really. Uh, he's kind of in the dark. He's confused. But he's similarly confused to the way Deckard's confused in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, Deckard, sort of the whole movie. Harrison Ford plays the smartest guy in the room better because it's, it's like way more in his nature to be the smartest guy in the room. That's like his character. Is that Who's caught? that? For Harrison Ford, yeah, 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 as an actor over the years, very cocky. He's got that smug smile. Um, but Gosling, you know, it's not really his role usually to be the smartest guy in the room. Drive is kind of an exception where he he really is. He knows everything. Yeah, yeah. But usually he's not. Um, and I, I don't really think he is here still. Rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Is there an explosion in this movie? It's got to be. There has to be. Right? Yeah, there, there's definitely explosions. Like when. Uh... Oh yeah, when yeah. The ship yeah. crashes. She, well, and then the bombs going. The off. bombs the going mortar, off. The mortars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, the third one you skip. The movie is driven by a police military or political figure. He's technically the police. He's LAPD. Yes. In in the future. Right. Um, so it, it hits the rules. It definitely feels like what we want. It's very interesting because this the, the original Blade Runner we wanted to cover. Honestly, we didn't really want to cover it on the show. We, no. We thought that we might have to um, just to pay respect, but we both went back and watched it this week. Yep. And it doesn't really. Definitely doesn't feel like a movie we do on our show. It doesn't feel like a movie we do on the show, and, it, and we would specifically be doing it just to cover our asses. Well, I keep using the term hard sci-fi, and I think it's important to point out with Blade Runner because there's a sense that a lot of people have nowadays that they are fans of science fiction fantasy, that they like sci-fi fantasy. It's their genre, and that's because it's because of films like Lord of the Rings, yeah, and it's because of films like Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, that which are, it's such a bummer that you lump sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, and, and it's... The difference is that there's a huge difference between adventure films and science fiction films. You know, Star Wars is an adventure film. Yes. It's got science fiction elements. It's a space opera, but it's definitely an adventure movie. Blade Runner is not. Blade Runner is truly science fiction in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, you know it's like a dystopian story, and so that's not appealing to most people. It's not a it's not that's not really like a mass market subject. And watching Blade Runner the first one, it's very interesting. It is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. amazing how well visually it holds up today. Yeah. But it's a boring movie compared to what you'd expect if you go after, if you watch it after you watch this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's <clears throat> it's just one of those things where um, the the things that kind of blew you away about the first one, watching as the audience we are now, it's really hard. Like I was making this reference earlier outside before the show started, and it's like you go back and you watch Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And you see when they do these action movie cliches, you're like, that's where it came from. Right. That's awesome. Exactly. That is, I, I owe so much respect to this. I don't think it works well. Yeah. Either. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's just aged so poorly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and it, But you can't discredit it. No. You really can't, but you just have to be kind of like, ah, eh, it's aged. You know? Yeah, like I was thinking about, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that you see in 2049, I mean, that you see where you're like, oh, you know, for instance, the, the, the film opens and you have these beautiful visuals of these like the big sort of like round colonies right. uh, they look like farms and as you're as you're coming in and you see obviously the big the big like reverse pyramid shaped buildings and everything and the flying cars coming in you go back and you watch the original film and it's like crazy that first of all they match they really match the tone it looks yeah still it actually <laughs> what it made me feel like was watching the final cut of the original film that that still looked really good that the th- those elements of like the flying cars the city looks great but you're oh, like you're talking about in the original yeah 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 but then if you think about that you're like you know that's not really something we had seen on on camera a lot like like a like a dystopian future Los Angeles yeah. or, or where where you have flying cars and sort of these these like you know eroded cities like it's that was new. It was new back then. We've seen so many movies do that now, 
but yeah, it was really Scott kind of created a world. It was groundbreaking. It was revolutionary. Yeah, you know? yeah. He he didn't kind of. He absolutely created a world back then. So so uh, let's get into the trailer and let's talk thesis because like I I'm so curious as to what yours is and I'm like so excited to say mine, but I, okay. I feel like I'm going to get murdered for it. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I know exactly what it is. Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cue up the trailer. Here. Yeah, these, these trailers are sweet. Yeah, it's a really good trailer. Except for this is the end of it. No, no, it's this. Oh, it's the beginning. Oh, my, 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 my fault. My fault. Little teasers at the beginning. <laughs> this is I mean? my first time doing this show. <laughs> I thought you might be able to help me with the case. Any idea where I could find him? You police. Batista was almost my fist pump in this movie. He's awesome. He's awesome. I would much prefer that to the alternative. Would you say you have more of a man boner for Gosling than any living actor, or has Hardy above him? Gosling. Gosling. Gosling is by far <laughs> my favorite actor in the entire world. Was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future. He was so sweet. Leto? Yeah. He was the best part of the movie, I think, like acting wise. Yeah. He's so creepy. And his voice, like, his delivery and yeah, everything was. That scene was really cool. Yeah. The out, just out there was so cool. We've bought ourselves a war. I love that Robin Wright is coming back. She's she's badass. Boss. She is so good as NTOB and she is so good in this. Things were simpler then. What do you want? I want to ask you some I love Gosling so much. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. I can't. I'm hot. (laughs) We were being hunted. By who? They know you're here. You do not know what pain is yet. I will show you. You will. Oh yeah, you will learn. Bring it to me. This breaks the world. Dude, when Gosling freaks when he's talking to the dream or the memory creator. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. Girl. He screaming. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Where is he? Did you watch either of the um, the shorts? No. You should go check them out. The like future them both. of the species is finally unearthed. Oh my god. I want to watch it again. Oh my god. They're, All right. Um, they're both. They're both like. Uh, direct promos for this. Like, they're really? si- extra six minutes of movie. One's based in 2036. I'm dying right now. Yeah. This movie was so good, man. You should watch the 2036 one. It's Leto. Yeah? It's Leto walks into a room, and it's it happens in 2036, and it's like, he's, like, demonstrating... Does what, he still have his eyes? Yeah, he's yeah. blind. And he's oh, like, no, he, he's blind. He's blind. Because I was reading about how uh, he got his eyes removed by his creator, like, trying to find things and, like, burned out and all that. It's crazy. It's like... He's, like, escorted by a replicant, and he, like, walks into a room... And he basically is like, he's like basically showing, I mean, granted, people are going to be like, you totally misread that scene. But like, <laughs> he's like, he's like explaining to these people, uh, this replicant and like that he's going to basically obey him and that like the function of them is to serve us. And, and he like has him break a glass and kill himself in front of people. What is, oh, that, oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's awesome. That scene, there's that one. And then you get Dave Batista's backstory too. Um, oh, sweet. The, yeah, they're both great. They're both really cool. Batista's amazing in this. I like, thought he was fantastic. It, it's one of those things where, like, you watch, um, you watch Guardians, and you're like, I think Batista can act. Yeah, but, but he kind of just acts like a bro in that movie. In that, yeah, and yeah. like we, you know, we talked to our good friend Matt, and he's like, Batista's just kind of like that. He's yeah. just a really awesome dude that loves having a good time. Yeah, but you watch him in this, and like the makeup and everything, and the aged and the delivery, he's. He's a good actor. He's really good. Yeah, he's he's great. And, and he, yeah, I, he was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I was a little disappointed that he was only in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was just part of the whole thing. So and anyway, guys, perfect. that's a great trailer. Um, more than anything, the trailer does what the movie does, which is it captures the, the tone, the feel, the color, everything you want so beautifully. Um, you know, what I say about this movie, the more I've thought about it is that I really just think this movie is one of those rare movies that does everything right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really miss on any level. I think, you know, the one the one argument or complaint that I think a lot of people would have about this movie is that it's almost three hours long. And that is long. It is hard it is hard sometimes to sit down. Did you feel ever? Well, I'm gonna be totally candid with you guys watching the show. 
Uh, I saw this on Saturday. I saw it late. I saw like a 10 p.m. screening of it, and I had already had several drinks at dinner, and I saw it at the Arclight where you can drink. <laughs> yeah. I continued drinking during the film. Uh, I was present for the whole film, but like anybody who's you know knows, sometimes a movie this long that's got this much going on. Yeah, you, it's just overwhelming and kind of a lot to keep up with. You and... miss b- bits and pieces. So I've been I've been like watching and, and reading and everything to make sure that for this review, I'm not misplacing anything in my mind. But I honestly, what I wish is that I could have just seen it a second time before the show. But I wanted to watch the first one instead. Yeah, so that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, and we talked a lot about. It. I mean, I think you're where you stand is is, is exactly where you should. Uh, do you have a thesis? You want me to jump in first? No, no, I'll go with my thesis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the more that I've thought about this film, <clears throat> I, I now feel absolutely sure that my thesis statement is that this film will be ignored by the Academy for Best Picture, but Denis Villeneuve will be nominated for Best Director. And he may win. I hate it. I hate your thesis. And I think it could be, I think I hate it because it's right. I think it's true. I think it's true. And it's, it's, too, it's too hard sci-fi. Even though it's big, uh, but the number of films that are going to be up this year... It's really a crazy year for the Academy to pay attention. Wonder Woman was maybe the best-reviewed film of the entire year. You've got Logan. You've got Wind River. You've got movies like Get Out could win Best Picture. Yeah, exactly. I think those three movies we just talked about, Blade Runner, Logan, and Wonder Woman, what makes me so sad about it is I really think Logan's going to get just heavily shafted now. Like, it came out so long ago. Yeah. It came out so long ago. It was so good. I'd still believe Jackman's going to get a Best best Actor nom. And I think it might get the Patrick Stewart supporting actor nom because that feels like it's the easiest one to give. I hope that there's enough money behind that entity that they can promote it. Promote it yeah, enough for too. award season. It deserves some attention. Uh, so one more time, let's just hear your thesis again. My thesis statement is that this film will be nominated for Best Director, Denis Villeneuve, but it will be ignored for a Best Picture nomination, even though it deserves one. I love it. I think it's I think it's true, and I hate it because I think it's true. Uh, so we got Paulo Ayam on here that says this is the best sequel of the 21st century and the best sci-fi sequel ever made. I'm gonna one up you and say this is the greatest achievement in sci-fi and filmmaking in my entire life. Wow. Okay. This is the greatest achievement in sci-fi filmmaking in my entire life, and I and the only reason I say in my life is because I do not dare fuck with Star Wars or Terminator or Aliens. Yeah. yeah, these things I don't do it. It's yeah. not safe. But I say in my life, as a person that grew up loving sci-fi movies, that I love sci-fi. I grew up watching Star Wars. It was my favorite thing. And then, you know, the prequels happened, and, and like, Battlefield Earth happened, and all these weird things happened yeah. when we were growing up, where sci-fi fantasy got lumped together, and, and the only reason it was relevant is because fantasy happened. Yeah, but I would say that the biggest arguments that, you know, and, and this actually is interesting, too, because it relates to a similarity that I see, which is that... I think there are a lot of similarities between Alfonso Cuaron and Daniel Villeneuve. Absolutely. They're, they're enigmatic filmmakers who are not American, who are loved mm-hmm. by American audiences, who had a breakthrough, a breakthrough film and, and definitely love the science fiction genre. Um, you know, ha- having Children of Men, that's, that's his... Children of Men is effectively his Blade Runner 2049. And I love arrival, Children of really. Men. But the thing that I think that this movie does so well, <clears throat> and bear with me, when you watched sci-fi movies as a kid growing up, what were the things about it that stood out? It was kind of dark. It was kind of cool and sexy. You were kind of scared, but you were kind of into it. Yeah. There was definitely um, sexuality in it. There was action in it. There what was are you mystery. talking about right yeah, now? Right? <laughs> you're just like, what is happening? But and you're also, you're kind of in this world that you completely buy into, but you don't really understand why. Yeah. But you have to. You yeah. know? So when Gosling comes in and does his test, he's like, you know, he says those words over yeah, and yeah, over yeah. and over, and you're just like, what is happening? And it's like loud, and you're like, oh my God, this is... I get it. Yeah, you know? what's, what, what's he say? Um, uh, uh, strands on... No, what the, what's the line? It's from a book. Yeah, it's from a book. Guys, if, you, if you're in the chat, can you use the two words that he says a lot over and over? Because I can't, I can't remember them for some reason linked, right now. Something, something linked in one, in like in one strand or something. D like, or something starts with an I as well. Interlinked. 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 Something like that. Interlinked. Yeah. And yeah. so... And then you've got the gigantic naked woman dancing around in the town. You've got different languages all over. Yeah. You've got people that are dating robots. It's the whole thing, the world he created, you just want to be a part of it. Yeah. And like I said, you're kind of scared. You're kind of turned on. You want to know what's going to happen, but you don't want to look around the corner. This is what made sci-fi great. This yeah. is why when you watch sci-fi movies as a kid, it was just... And, and Blade Runner 2049 is exactly that. And, and I was talking to someone yesterday. The demographic of people that should see this movie... Should start at fourteen, yeah, and should go all the way to their sixties and seventies. Unfortunately, the demographic that starts watching this movie is in their mid twenties to thirties, yeah, which is why it tanked at the box office. It's because movies like this haven't been done in so long. Yeah, if this movie comes out, which it did, 
people are going to love it. People are going to watch it. It's going to take a while. In the next 10 years in sci-fi, we're going to get people excited to watch them again. Yeah. Because of this movie. Yeah, I hope so, man. I mean, it will, let's just hope the third one that they make doesn't suck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The what? What's that? The third one doesn't suck. Let's just Yeah, hope, like, I mean, let's really hope it doesn't suck. I just but wish like, they weren't going to make a third one. I just, it, as cool as this movie was, I just, yeah. it's like I don't, yeah, but I mean, one thing that I think is really important you talked about is that uh, the the achievement in creating a world that you're fully immersed in is it's what makes these great movies. We talked about this a lot with uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how that movie opens and you just beautiful. feel yeah and you feel like you're in that world they do mm-hmm. such a great job of creating it and that's yeah that's the same same way I felt about this movie so it's interesting a lot of people mentioned Kubrick when I was giving or talking about um, my thesis and they were talking about 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. and and it is I mean that is I, I'm not going to argue with you I'm yeah. really not going to um, but that's just my thesis. Yeah. Anybody have any interesting <laughs> thesis to share in there? Um, that's basically the biggest one. I'm trying to see if I skipped over any. Uh, is this the best? Here we go. This is the uh, Richard Eric Jarvie. This is the best example of how to make a sequel to a decades-old cult classic. Usually these reboots fall. Uh, usually these reboots slash sequels fall fail critically, and all the credit goes to, to Villeneuve in this one. And and I agree because as Villeneuve talked about when he was making it, he was terrified yeah. and excited and frightened and like all these things because. Again, it's the same thing of why I said I'm not going to mess with Star Wars or Blade Runner or Aliens. Right. Is like he's, he doesn't want to do that either because it's one of his favorite movies ever. Yep. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's a great thesis, Richard. Uh, I think that's about all of them I have, man. Excellent. Let's continue moving through the show, guys. Uh, we're going to get into the next bit of the show, which is going to be fist pump moment. This is that moment you're watching the movie. Something happens. You look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is so good. I can watch the rest of this movie right now. Uh, and man, there were a lot for me. You know, I think for me... I got to say, I think probably my fist pump moment was just the moment that you see, you know, Gosling's car lands in the beginning and you see him come through that fog. Yeah. And he's got the jacket over his face. Jacket is sick. It's a sick jacket. (laughs) And it just was like, God, this guy's got, it's the same feeling I have about Nolan in a lot of cases where it's like, this guy knows how to command his movie Exactly. He knows the shot that he wants. He knows it. he can draw it. He can like yeah. basically like so. I want it to look exactly he kno- like he, this. It's like he can draw the emotion that he wants you to feel when watching his movies. He's like truly a visionary. Incredible. I, I tweeted about it actually right after I saw it, and it was just like I think I said something like "Rumors are true. This movie is as good as they say." Who asked you um, if they could share that? By the way, the Blade Runner Twitter actually. Yeah. They, awesome. So they loaded like a Twitter moment, you know, like where you scroll through and it's critics all sharing their opinions, and like mine appeared next to like Nick Scarpino's right in the middle. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was awesome. But but more than anything, it was just like this guy is the next visionary of our generation he's the guy he's like you're gonna have in 10 years and i think it's proof enough already he doesn't need to prove himself anymore because just just prisoners arrival this well yeah because you look at inaritu and suaron who are like the other two really big ones and, and, and they're not as visionary they're just kind of like incredible directors. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I watch The Revenant and you watch Gravity it's not like anything really that new. Yeah. But it's perfect. Yeah. Whereas you watch this and it's like completely visionary. I guess Birdman would be the one that would yeah. be. It's, yeah. That's, that's pretty visionary. That's like a pretty it's crazy a very weird. vision of how it's going to look. But yeah, they're all, all amazing um, and none of them are American. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, yes, I, I would say my fist moment just has to be that one. I mean, I, I love that one. I also loved the later scene that we showed in the trailer where Gosling's walking in that in that orange smoke um, yeah. and he's out in the desert. That was pretty amazing too. Because it, it was, sorry, go ahead. I'm so excited. <laughs> For me, the visuals were the things that just were jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the stuff where I, I was watching with Roxy and I, I just like lean over four times in the first 15 minutes of the movie just like, this looks amazing. Right? Yeah. It just looks so amazing. It's just beautiful and like, uh, you know, Villeneuve having the idea of putting the gigantic erotic statues out there yeah. to just kind of add this weird it's just perfect. Yeah. Everything about it is perfect. So, uh, guys, I'm going to go through your fist pumps here. When Gosling destroys Batista, I love it. So did we. That was yeah. that was when he when he throws him. Uh, first of all, again, you talk visionary, and it's just like bang, bang, bang against the wall. Well, let's go see what's happening in the other room. And yeah. it's just like wall, wall, yeah. wall. Then they fall through, and then Gosling punching him in the throat. It's yeah. just like oh god, brutal. Um, Let's see. The Vegas showroom fight is great. When Deckard says we can do this all day or have a drink, um, yeah. Deckard says her eyes were green. I love that right. moment. And then yeah. walks away. That's that's amazing. Uh, that scene is is really beautiful. Uh, someone, uh, numerous people have mentioned Gosling when he just runs through the wall after yeah. Deckard locks yeah. him out, which I love. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, when you realize the plot that Deckard and Rachel had a kid, and everyone's waiting for that. 
So those are all excellent. None of them are mine, which I love. Uh, my fist pump moment is after he gets shot down in the San Diego junkyard. Yeah. And he comes down, he's like knocked out, and they're like sawing through his door. Yeah. And they pull it off, and like he like wake, they wake him up and pull him out. And the first thing he does is he picks up the dude, and he literally just snaps him in half yeah. over the of his knee, <laughs> just kills him instantly, and then shoots four people. And then it's just like... And he has like, he has like cyborg aim. Yeah, like, perfect aim. Everyone's dead. Dude's dead in front of him, and everyone just stops for a second. Yeah, yeah and like, awesome. I just thought he was so badass. Yeah. I love you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys, we're going to get you moving through the show right now. We're going to talk a little bit about these guys' careers, where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with Harrison Ford, because I think Austin's going to lead us into a bigger conversation. So Harrison Ford's 75 years old right now. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy to me that he, like... He looks and feels and acts seventy five, but he also is pretty sharp for seventy five. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still got his wits about him. He still yeah. moves well, and yeah. yeah, I mean, he did, but it's also kind of crazy that he's one of these rare actors who is in their mid seventies and wants to keep doing these big franchise movies. He wants to do another Indiana Jones movie. Like, uh, it's it's just kind of surprising. You don't see that all that often. Um, so he and he also insists on flying airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. He loves doing that. So you looked at his career. He did. <clears throat> he he had a, a leading role in Ender's Game, twenty thirteen. Yep. yep. He's also in The Expendables three in twenty fourteen. Which I don't know if he had a big role or not. He's billed third, but it could just be because he's billed he's, third in the credits and right. he's Harrison Ford. I can't imagine he's got a big role. I can't. I don't think I've seen. I think I watched half the second one and all of the first one. I've just seen the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Age of Adeline, 2015, and then obviously The Force Awakens in 2015. Um, Then you go and you look at Gosling, who is, in my opinion, the biggest movie star in the entire world right now. He's got The Nice Guys in 2016, La La Land in 2016, and Song to Sing in 2017. Song to Song? Have you seen this? Or Song to Song. Um, I haven't. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what that movie is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys do in the chat, but... Basically, what this is leading to is who are the ten biggest movie stars in the world working today? Yeah, and so let's let's qualify this for a quick second, guys, because I think it's an important. We, we have to establish a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, this conversation is about if you put this person in a movie and you put enough money behind the promotion of that movie and it opens worldwide, will this movie make enough money back that it was a good investment for the studio? Does this person have enough credibility that the world is interested to see this person? If um, you were to walk into a bar in the middle of bumfuck nowhere and hold up a picture of this person, would everyone be able to say who that person is? There's credibility, there's a household name recognizability, and this is one of those things where you, you've got to realize that it... Bankability? Yeah, and sometimes sometimes somebody's name is only relevant like this for a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people, you know, like the cruises, where it's 20, 30, 40 years long. And so, we're... Spoiler alert, guys, Cruz is not going to be number one on this list. Yeah, he's, um, he's really <laughs> not. and But he will be on the list, because Tom Cruise movies... The thing about Cruz, and, and I'm going to start with him, is that <clears throat> he's the only person billed on posters and trailers in his movies. Yeah. That is the only person, no matter how big of a star they are. Jeremy Renner and Simon Pegg were massive when they did uh, yeah. MI4. No one is on the posters. No one is in the trailers. No name is anywhere other than Cruz. And he's the only person in the entire universe yeah. who does that. It's just Tom Cruise, The Mummy. The Mummy is terrible. That movie made almost $500 million. Worldwide. Exactly. So uh, let's let's just run through. I got a list here of names I wrote down. Sure. We worked together on it. We got Ryan Gosling, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Rock, Tom Cruise, Denzel Washington, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Tom Hardy, Hugh Jackman, Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, Vin Diesel, Ben Affleck, Will Smith, Robert Downey Jr., and... The lone female we wrote down was Melissa McCarthy. To be totally fair, we'll also say Charlize could be in the conversation. And uh, the other third one... Jennifer Lawrence. Was Jennifer Lawrence, yes. And so Ben and I wanted to argue Charlize, but it's just not a thing yet. As much as I love Charlize, Atomic Blonde did not do well. It it wasn't a very good movie, and... um, yeah, I mean, it just didn't do that well. She's a total badass. We love Charlize Theron. She's an incredible death, actress, but she just unfortunately doesn't have the uh, she doesn't have the the worldwide cred to open a movie on her own. And I and it's I it's understandable that some of the characters that we're going to talk about here in their roles don't have that credibility either right now. Yeah, somebody like oh. Ben Affleck is led is pretty much relevant for Batman right now. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about Scarlett Johansson, but what's the last Scarlett Johansson that move, opened where she was the lead? Ghost in a Shell. And obviously she shot herself in the foot by playing an Asian character as a white woman. But regardless, we completely it should still have made money if she's that type of person. So Melissa McCarthy, and a shout out to Jeff Graham, who's one of our engineers, producers, and he also uh, is on a show with me on Fridays, the Unproduced Table Read. He was like Melissa McCarthy. And at first I was like, are you, 
But then I was like, wait, you think of all the movies she's done in her career, especially over the last three or four years? She's like the Adam Sandler of women back in the early 90s. It's she's like just she, like the Adam Sandler of today, period. Exactly. And she, she's fantastic. I love she's Melissa McCarthy. Funny. Her movies make money. Hilarious. She yeah. works with her husband. She writes and directs and stars in. Like, she's kind of the one female. Um, J Law and Emily Blunt and Charlize are close, but like, they. They just don't make the money like she does. So here's here's the conversation we're going to have, guys. The way we're going to do this is we're going to start eliminating names here till we get down to 10. Then Andrew and I are going to rank them together. What we want to know is if you guys believe, disagree, think, what have you, share your own list. Post it in the comments on YouTube. I should remind everybody here, guys, if you do like and comment on the video, it helps that video stay high in the standings for us on YouTube. People watch it. We get more fans. That's how it works now. Old videos that get lots of views do not draw attention anymore. The algorithm yeah. has changed. So help us out there and leave your thoughts there. Yeah, and we love seeing all the comments in there. I love that they've been getting more and more every single week. I love seeing you guys interact with each other. Ben and I read everything. Yeah. I promise. So let's start by eliminating the names on here that do not chart. Because we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, So I think the 17. interesting, the fun way to do this is we go through and we, we, we cross off names that we don't think work for a reason. So okay. I'm going to go through... Let's take, let's take turns. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start first. with... So this is, this is the list. This is the list that you yeah. got here? Denzel, RG, Affleck. All right, you go first. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start by eliminating Jennifer Lawrence because I just don't yeah. think Jennifer Lawrence is... Even though she was the sixth highest paid movie star in the world last year, uh-huh. uh, I don't think that Jennifer Lawrence can open movies on her own. I don't think Red Sparrow is going to make $400 million. Yeah, She's, I, yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm going to hop on and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of Affleck. Now, I love Affleck. Yep. I think he's fantastic. I think he's one of the best directors out there right now. But Ben Affleck as a movie star is not something that's like, what's the next Ben Affleck movie that's coming out that isn't a Batman movie that you want to go see? Yeah, there isn't one. I don't know. Yeah, if he, if he gives up on that franchise, it's Ben Affleck's not a top ten movie star in the world. Totally. Um, I'm going to put an asterisk next to his name because if we get to a point where nobody else has a role of that size, then I'm, I think... I love Ben. Uh, but I'm going to jump in next and cross off Jackman. Love yeah, Jackman. I love Jackman too. And Marissa, uh, Marissa Serafini in the booth uh, gave a shout out to Jackman. Problem with Jackman is is that his all of his notoriety has come from this franchise, and I think the only reason he had the opportunity to do movies like Prestige and Chappie and uh, was the robot fighting one Real, oh, Steel, Real Steel are because Wolverine uh, of Wolverine and playing Prisoner Two Four Six O One. Just kidding. All right, so. Damon's not on our list, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just yep. say he's not on there. Uh, I'm gonna go with Michael B. Jordan. You okay? Because I love Michael B. Jordan, and I love that he's like a young black actor that seems like he's gonna be the next like Denzel. Yeah, maybe. Um, but he's just not there yet. And I know that if I go to most places in in the world and I say who's Michael B. Jordan, and I hold up a picture of like four like young black actors. A lot of people probably wouldn't know who he was. Just say Creed, probably. Just like Creed. Yeah, yeah. They would say they would say Creed, but that doesn't mean they know who he is. And like, um, yeah, I love him, but he's just not there yet. I'm gonna jump in next. Cross out Tom Hardy. Much as I love Tom Hardy, much as I think he's a friggin' superstar, uh, Tom Hardy. The majority of the movies Tom Hardy makes are like Child 44 or something like that. Even Dunkirk is a movie that was not really a Tom Hardy movie. Like he, yeah. he doesn't have that. He's not that guy yet, is the point. He's not, and I think Locke is one of those examples, and like Reynolds is a great example of someone when he did Buried and Tom Hardy doing Locke. It's like literally a movie of just you on screen for an hour. Yeah. You know who can do shit like that? Tom Hanks can do shit like that. Not Tom Hardy, not Ryan Reynolds yet, yeah. and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know how much I love I know you Tom do. Hardy. So what do you, uh, what do you so, got next? Uh, I'm going to cross off Miles Teller. He's already off the list. He's already off. You didn't put him on. Okay, so who else we got here? We got... Left, we have Gosling, DiCaprio. What does that say? The Rock. The Rock. Cruz, Denzel. Okay, so I have a big problem with The Rock. Okay. I love him, and I think he's the biggest celebrity in the world. I do not think he's a big movie star. Just because you're in tons of movies, they don't make money because of him. They just don't. Uh, like, I, you look at movies, like Hercules. Why did Hercules flop if The Rock is the biggest movie star in the world? Why did San Andreas make money then? Okay, so then Geostorm's going to come out. I don't think Geostorm's going to make money. But that's... Oh, wait, that's not him. That's, that's Gerard. That's Gerard. Uh, so then Jum- I'm J- Jumanji, <laughs> excuse me. Jumanji is not because of The Rock. It's because Jumanji is one of the biggest cult classic movies ever. You've got Kevin Hart, who's one of the biggest black comedians in the world. You've got The Rock, who's the biggest amb- ethnically ambiguous celebrity in the world. Yep. You've got Jack Black, who's one of the funniest white people in the world. So it's like, 
that's why it makes money. He will make our top ten, I think. He will, but so, I just don't think he's a great movie star. So let's get to ranking him as soon as we kick off the last couple here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. We have three more to cross off. Uh, I think we agree Charlize doesn't make a top ten. Yeah, Charlize doesn't make a top ten. Uh, Pitt needs to stay on the list because he's a true... How about Johnny Depp? I think it's so kick tough him. because I think, kick him off. I, th- I think he kick him off at this point. I yeah. really do. I mean, it's... I'm not watching Murder Murder on the Orient Express because of it. And Pirates didn't make money. And I watched Pirate 5 because of Javier. Yeah, exactly. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There's one more to kick off here. So, I think probably the person... I mean, Vin Diesel releases a billion-dollar movie every two years, so I think it's difficult to really say that Vin... And that he is the reason that those movies make money. Granted, Triple X didn't make any money, and neither did the... Whatever the other movie that he did Yeah, last. I mean, Will Smith is still on this list, but Will Smith, has, he has got the Brad Pitt effect. Suicide and so does squad. Clooney and, like... I, I mean, do you get rid of RDJ? Downey Jr., what has he done other than Iron Man? I would cut Affleck before him. So I think I'll agree with you that Affleck would be number 11 on this list and you leave Melissa McCarthy on. Even though I think that that's kind of ridiculous. What about Hanks, man? His movies don't make money anymore just because he's one of the greatest actors ever. All right, so here's what we Daniel got Daniel Day-Lewis isn't on this list and he's my favorite. We got Gosling, DiCaprio, The Rock, Tom Cruise, Denzel, Melissa McCarthy, Brad Pitt, Vin Diesel, Will Smith, and Robert Downey Jr. as our 10. So who is number 10 on that list? Is it... Is it uh, Brad Pitt, Melissa McCarthy, Denzel, or... Melissa McCarthy. Okay. So Unfortunately, and like, start writing more scripts for women, please. This is, please, Hollywood. All right. So Melissa McCarthy's 10. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say that I think Denzel Washington is 9. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Do you think that Denzel pr- surpasses Vin Diesel, though? Because I think Denzel has that movie star thing where... I mean, I'm pretty sure both of them could walk in rooms almost anywhere, but I think Denzel doesn't ever walk in somewhere and isn't recognized. Yeah, he's he's a bigger global icon, but uh, Vin Diesel movies... Ah, you know what? I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll make Denzel 8, and I'll give Diesel 9. I think that's yeah. fine. Guys, everyone that's asking about why Tom Hanks isn't in there, did you guys go see Bridge of Spies in theaters? Did you guys watch Inferno? How about uh, The Circle? Did you guys watch all those movies in theaters because Tom Hanks was in them? If he did, then we'll retort our statement. Yeah. Tom Hanks just hasn't been a worldwide movie star for like five to ten years. He's a, he one of the greatest actors ever. As, we, we love Hanks. I mean, there's a reason Tom Cruise is going to be lower on this list than number one. Because if we're just talking about all-time effect, he's higher than almost everybody here. Uh-huh. Um, I would say <laughs> after that, Brad Pitt probably. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because he's like one of those guys, I mean, the big short was like one of the last big things he did, and he was a pretty small character, and he kind of felt like the old guard leaving. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think he can still make things that are big, and like, Fury is a good example of a movie that sort of... <laughs> Four people were just like, I watched all three of those. Eh, you didn't watch... Uh... <laughs> yeah, actually, that's not true. No, they're all going back and be like, actually, no, I skipped one of them. I skipped blah, blah, blah. I skipped so, all of them. I skipped all of them, too. Um, all right, so he, that's seven. I only watched about... Bridge of Surprise because uh, Rylance as well. How about six? We go with. Is it Gosling six? I don't think Will so. Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith is six. I think Gosling is number one or two. Hmm. Who's number one? Leo, or is it, is it Gosling? <laughs> I just think it's The Rock. <laughs> I I will not I will not agree to The Rock because there's so many people in here that are admitting that they don't go watch movies because of The Rock. Yeah, I mean, and they don't make enough money. Just because you make a bunch of movies and make a bunch of money doesn't mean that they're. I think quality. that Gosling has way more like movie star credibility at the moment, but I also don't think that you put Ryan Gosling just in a movie and it makes money. The nice guys didn't make any money. Like his, he's he's the most talented. I love the guy. He's in huge movies, but I don't think he's like a more bankable star than The Rock. Ben and I both watched Bridge of Spies for Mark Rylance, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. I agree. I will not be happy, <laughs> and I will refuse to put The Rock at number one. If we I, have to agree with one, I have to say Leo then. I'll probably I, honestly I would just say RDJ if we're just if we're gonna really just go no, off like, you can't do RDJ you can't because he hasn't done anything else other than Iron Man like just because the dude is too expensive to be put in Marvel movies which is absurd um, I right. think it's Leo because anytime Leo does a movie everyone hears about it everyone sees it it's gonna be Academy Award recognized he's probably gonna get a nod like everything that dude touches is gold all right so placeholder Leo one <laughs> it's not a placeholder <laughs> The Rock two. Um, <laughs> then Gosling's got to be three. I, I think Cruz is bigger than Gosling. Cruz, the Mummy made five hundred million dollars. I know, that but it's bad. I know, but I and I get that this movie didn't make as much, but I just don't think Cruz is bigger than Gosling because like th- people hate Cruz. No one hates Gosling. You know what I mean? Fair. 
I don't think Cruz is bankable in the same way that he once was, so I'll give you Gosling right now for the sake of argument, which would mean that the last person we're missing is RDJ, putting him at five. Oh, yeah, the judge. <laughs> so <laughs> that would mean that hard. we have DiCaprio, The Rock, Ryan Gosling, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., Will Smith, Brad Pitt, Denzel Washington, Vin Diesel, and Melissa McCarthy as our ten biggest movie stars right now. Yeah, I think so, and I think the, the, the only one that people are just so upset about is is Hanks and and we already talked about ScarJo and why she's not on the list. It's because Ghost in the Shell flopped. She's only relevant because of the Marvel movies. Um, Salt or I mean Lucy did not do that well, and um, I mean we love her. I mean, but Lucy she's, did she's fine. Young. It was just years ago. Yeah. Lucy was like five, four years ago. Yeah, Cruise Cruise has had flops as well, but the Mummy still made half a billion dollars. Yeah, when you say, when you say his movies flop, but they're still making that kind of money, and also the fact that like Rogue Nation was what like two years ago. Yeah, and that movie was massive, and yeah. Yeah, it's look. You put Tom Cruise in the lead role of a bad movie, and you put The Rock in the lead role of a bad movie. Exactly. Hercules, Mummy. Go tell me which one made more money. We're gonna move on. Could All right, you... fair enough, guys. That's our ten biggest movie stars working today. Share your own lists. Yes, please uh, find them on Twitter at AMA Podcast. Share them in the Facebook group. Let's keep talking a little bit about production development on this movie. Um, I do want to point out really quickly before we get into this that. We're going to loosely breeze over this. But yeah, we're running out of time. And there's a lot of stuff out there about this movie. If you guys want to read about how it was made and all those things behind it, you can. Yeah, about do androids dream of electric sheep. Like, we've done this with all the movies that we've covered with massive backstories. That's yeah. not our job. Yeah, it's just not... We, we read about them, but... Uh, it takes too much time, and we want to talk about other things in this movie that were sweet, so you guys can share and discuss with us. Uh, Michael Green, huge writer right now. He wrote the script with Hampton Fancher. Hampton Fancher wrote the script for the original, based on the book by Philip K. Dick, to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, Hampton Fancher came back to write the sequel. He did a couple other films. He did The Mighty Quinn in 1989 with Denzel Washington. That's his, pretty much his only other major thing he's written. Whereas Michael Green is uh, new in the world of movies, but huge right now. Yeah. Uh, he wrote TV stuff like Smallville, Everwood, Heroes. He wrote 2011's Green Lantern. And then this year, Alien Covenant, Blade Runner 2049. And upcoming, he has Murder on the Orient Express. Which I can't wait to see. Um, I do love that they wrote this with only Gosling in mind. And yeah, he was awesome. the only person they ever talked about doing it. Uh, it was originally going to be helmed by Ridley Scott, and then he couldn't do it because he was caught up doing Aliens, and he was caught up doing The Martian. Yeah. And then Nolan was going to take helm, which I think is super interesting. Uh, but I actually think it ended in the perfect hands of Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's the guy. So uh, the last thing is Michael Green uh, wrote... Uh, most of American Gods. So he's definitely, that guy's killing it right now. Now, Denis Villeneuve, if you guys are just hearing about him now, um, he really broke through in the biggest way with Arrival last year. That was the big movie that put him on the map. So good. But, I mean, uh, overseas, he had done films like Incendies. Uh, he won awards over the years. And uh, 2013 was really his big American breakthrough with Prisoners in terms of, like, just a movie with stars that people saw. He did a film with Jake Gyllenhaal called en- Enemy, yeah. which I never saw. Uh, and then he did uh, Arrival, and now he's done this film. He's attached to Dune upcoming, the remake. Yeah, which I just love that this dude is taking on the biggest like entities yeah. ever and being like, I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to do it awesome. Yeah, I have a feeling he can do it. a very good job. So that's Denis Villeneuve. Uh, we are going to skip producers today. Because... Yeah, it's just because uh, there's too much other stuff to talk about, and I want to get into critical here. So if we're going to talk critical and box office, this is where this movie kind of... I mean, this is what I was talking about with my thesis. Sci-fi needs to be revitalized. This movie was created by Warner Brothers for $150 million. It was released last week on October 6th, 2017. It cost, or it made only $32 million opening weekend for an additional, four, and a 40, and blah, blah, $32 million up to this point, $40 million up to this point uh, worldwide for a grand total of $81 million in 81 in its opening weekend for a movie that cost $150 million with one of the biggest movie stars in the world, with one of the biggest, biggest cult classic followings ever it's just like and then i want to keep i want to go into critical because this all adds to the conversation it's ranked the 50th best movie of all time on imdb um it's really high for where it's at but honestly i don't see it dropping that far maybe like most 25 points maybe 25 slots but like i don't disagree with this being one of the greatest movies of all time I mean, it's I just, high. It's problem I know you list. do. I know you do. <laughs> but like, do you do you at least think that if a movie is on the list, it is one of the best movies ever made? Uh, I mean, sure. If like, if one of means if one of has a relative value, if it means it's one of the thousand best movies ever made or something like that, sure. But like, just the idea of the movies that occupy the top hundred on this list. 
it just seems like such a such a crazy thing to say yeah uh, that they're this this is the 50th best movie ever made it's just such a recency bias on that list totally on list <laughs> i love how people are still like debating thanks uh, uh well now they're talking about fastbender which you guys know how much we love fastbender but he's just he's just not there yet no um all right so critically this movie yeah 8.6 number 50 it's got an 88 by all critics a 91 by top and an 83 by audience um on Rotten Tomatoes, I would probably give this movie an eight point seven if I had to write it, rate, rate it. I I uh, think when I get out of here today, there's a decent chance I'm just going to go watch it again. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll get back to you. I I like don't feel at this moment like I can give it a good enough. I can give it a like a correct ranking in my mind. It's, yeah. Like I loved it. I just like there's so much movie there and there's so much to talk about. And then we're talking about this movie on that list of greatest achievements. I just like I just want to watch it again. Yeah, and so Danny Nose talked about the performance at the box office and why we think it flopped. Um, and I think I'm going to jump in first and just say, I think it's that conversation I said earlier. The people that should be watching this movie should be starting at about 14 or 15 years old, and yep. it should be ending in their 60s and 70s. And there's about a tw- almost like a 10-year drop-off there. And like the people that are filling movie theaters on weekdays are kids and teenagers and kids in college and stuff like that. It's like... They are not watching this movie, and they need to watch this movie. And they, now, they might now because it's doing so well, but... There's a number of reasons why this movie doesn't make the money that I think it should. And that's that, first of all, there's a fatigue by audiences to watch uh, sequels. And I, I know that just the movie being called Blade Runner 2049 and Harrison Ford showing up and this idea people have of them making another Blade Runner film 30 years later, it's an exhausting idea to most people because this movie shouldn't be good because most of these yeah. movies aren't. Uh, when you yeah. resurrect the old franchise for the first time, you know, 20 or 30 years later, very often those movies are terrible. I mean, look at Mad Max. Yeah. No matter what anyone says about Mad Max, I know at least half of us were out there going like, what? I had no Why? interest. I thought it was going to be terrible. I mean, you look at anything like Dumb and Dumber 2. Like the when they only make reason sequels, I wanted to see it was because of Hardy. Yeah, when they make these sequels, very often they're not good. So I think there's a general fatigue by audiences. And then the second part is, look, guys, it's not the same thing as making a, a, a sequel to like a like a superhero movie. Yeah. Those movies get seen by everyone because people buy the action figures, like I said, at the local drugstore. Totally. Because and they're selling Captain America at Walgreens, and you just want to go see it because you recognize the characters, and it's easy. It's it's palatable. It's not dark and weird and pushing boundaries. And there's they're PG-13, so conservative America and conservative people, religiously conservative people all over the world are going to watch those movies, whereas, like, I was raised Mormon. In, in, in the Mormon religion, you are not supposed to watch R-rated movies. Yeah, and I mean, so, like, how many people ha- in, in, in massive, multi-billion dollar movies see the Marvel movies, and I want to see Blade Runner, but due to my religion, I'm not going to. People are more interested in spending money to go see Deadpool and Wolverine as R-rated superhero movies than they are going to watch this film because it's, again, they're comic book characters. It's, they get it. There's just, comic books have just become this worldwide phenomenon for people, these comic book movies, that Blade Runner 2049, as much as for us in the movie industry who are talking about movies, it feels like it occupies the same space. It really doesn't for most people. And what's crazy is, we're talking about 32 million uh, domestically in its opening weekend like it's a bad number like it's a disappointing number 32 million dollars were made seeing this movie over the weekend which is a crazy number of people that went to see this movie yeah. it's just not as it's many not as a 150 million dollars budget and probably another 100 million in marketing need to have happen yeah and that's what it is so yeah um yeah so let's uh <sighs> Let's get into let's get into favorite line because there are a bunch of AMA questions. There's some conversation going on um, about Tom Hanks. About Tom Hanks still, and I want to talk about it. No, uh, and I just want to talk about it. So, favorite line. I'm going to hop in first. I have a couple favorite lines, um, but so the one that you guys mentioned was that her eyes were green. That's just a great line. Um, and then the beginning, I love when Leto he like goes to see the new model. Yeah. And he's just the creepiest. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Like, the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> and, like, what I love is that actress, is she's so terrified. And Leto goes, interesting, isn't it? How in life we don't even know what we have yet, but we're afraid to lose it. Yeah, it's a cool And it's line. just a great line. And then yeah. my definite favorite, where I, I teared up, and I don't even know why, because I just did, but it's when Ford goes, uh, sometimes to love somebody you got to be a stranger. Yeah, he just right. walks away all pissed off. It's just beautiful lines. So those are my two. I think I, I really liked uh, the whole conversation between between um, Gosling and Batista at the beginning of the movie. I loved I loved when yeah. he says to him, like, um, what's he say? He's like, I've never had to turn on one of my own because we don't run or something like that. I think there's a line like yeah, that that he exactly. says. Yeah, exactly. He says that to Batista. 
He uh, says, yeah, I've never had to take one of my own because we don't run like the old models do. Yeah, which is cool. I just like the idea that it's like two it's like two cyborgs talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And he's a replicant just being like, I may be a replicant, but I'm a better replicant than you're a replicant. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really cool. And, so. I, and also the line, of course, he's like, you do this because you've never seen a miracle. Yeah, right. And, and like, again, Batista was just fantastic in this. Yeah, the whole cast was really, was really pretty wonderful. I mean, I... It's hard to not find uh, lines in the relationship between Gosling and Joy that, that like, that's the my favorite relationship in the movie, and just, like, it was so, so just wonderful to watch, and so charming, and she was so great, and it's so sad when, when her, like, projector gets destroyed. Yeah, okay, so I, I wish I could remember who, and I think it's one of our big Action Army members that yeah. talked about the relationship between Joy and Joe, essentially, and whether or not you felt it or was it too artificial to care about joy and joe yeah i mean his k oh got it got yeah. it got it, got it. Um, you saw the movie right I, i've been <laughs> I'm thinking joking, about his k <laughs> um but yeah so do you and, and and guys i'm so sorry if you are in the live chat please say something cuz i can't remember who said it what do you think about the relationship was it believable cuz i know yeah i thought i thought it was great i thought it was one of those i thought it was one of those wonderful relationships in movies that you like sort of don't want to buy into that you don't believe will be good that it's hard to imagine could work yeah. when the movie starts and by the time it gets to the middle of the film it's just great and it's charming and it's, it's sweet and it's like she's wonderful and yeah. like so supportive of him and he like he truly loves her yeah um but i will admit that when it got crushed yeah. And she died. Yeah. I didn't feel the way that I thought they wanted me to feel. Yeah. And it was because I knew it was going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. I knew that when he took it out of the thing, and she's like, if I if I get broke, I'm of gone course. forever. Yeah, you're like, yeah. okay, so that means the evil cyborg's going to kill you. Yeah, right. Um, so half and half, I love their relationship, but um, yeah, it was a little, it, it hurt a little bit for me. So Aaron Radcliffe asked, should I see the original? Uh, only if you were a huge, huge, huge fan of this movie and you can't get enough of it. Gotcha. If you thought this movie was great and you liked it a lot, but you don't anticipate watching it again, or it's just in the same category for you as a lot of the good movies you've seen this year, you don't need to. The original movie, if, you, if you're if you a film lover who wants to feel like you know the context of great film and where films come from, certainly watch Blade Runner. It's an important movie. If you haven't seen Blade Runner and you get into a conversation with people about film history, it's an ignorant place to be to not have seen this movie. Yeah. If you're somebody who likes movies, you don't feel like you need to know everything and have seen everything, it's just a movie from a different time. Uh, it's It only matters if you care a lot about this movie or if you care a lot about film history. Yeah. Uh, Arena asked that question, by the way. So thanks, Arena, and thanks, Thank Kess, you. for uh, thanks, letting Arena. us know. Um yeah, I mean, I, we both watched it. I watched it before. You watched it after. I don't yep. think it's necessary. I think that uh, Rucker Hauer is sweet. I think that, um, you know, like, Tears in the Rain is a great line. Yeah. Uh, improvised line. But um, I don't think it's entirely necessary, but I, mean, I think you should. Yeah. I don't think you should. I don't think you have to. Uh, I got a couple more here. Uh, oh, this is a great one. I know we're running out of time. Uh, Chevy Sloan asks style over substance. This is a thing we've talked about on our show before. Right. We talked about it specifically during Dunkirk. What do you think? No. No. So much substance here. So yeah. much, just a great story, a great script. So deliberate, every part of this movie. The design was just gorgeous. I mean, the style in this movie was a major part of what made it so great, but that was also a major part of what made the original film great. So I think if this had been a worse movie, I think this movie could have could have been worse acted and looked, or, or uh, I'm sorry, could have been worse acted and had a worse story than it did and still have been very cool because yeah. I think achieving the visuals was probably easier to do than the other stuff. Mm-hmm. The fact that it achieves that stuff but it also has a great story, great performances, is what makes this a, a classic, I think a modern classic. Yeah. So the last thing I have is that people asked about movies we have to see in theaters. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to just breeze through this. There's three movies that pop into my head immediately, okay. and that's this movie that people talk about yep. because we're doing it. Dunkirk, because it came out this year, and yep. that's where we came up with Style versus Substance. And then Avatar, because I think it's one of the greatest examples of movies that should only be seen in theaters. Yeah, right. Uh, I would agree. Um, what What about uh, Fury Road? I mean, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, Fury Road to me was the, probably the penultimate, not the penultimate, was the ultimate movie uh, to have seen in theaters aside from Avatar that I've ever seen in my lifetime, really. Like, that was the most incredible yeah. visual movie for me um i think it's tough though it's just that's that's a hard question to really properly answer for most people because it comes down to what do you want out of the movie like what what are you getting out of the experience aside from just beautiful visuals yeah you know there's a lot of movies that are incredible that you're watching in 3d that all every every superhero movie that they spend money on 
you could see yeah. in theaters and claim that needs to be seen in theaters. I think there has to be more than that. There has to be some... With Avatar, it was a unique experience. It was the first time we had seen that kind of 3D. The practical 3D, and it was so beautiful, and Cameron hadn't made a movie in so long. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, when you're shooting something in IMAX cameras, like Dunkirk, you know, that's... That's definitely the kind of movie that should be seen on the big screen. Yeah, I, I, I actually think Dunkirk is the most. Excuse me. I think Avatar is the one movie that you should uh, definitely see on uh, in the big screens. Yeah. I don't think you need to see Blade Runner in the theaters. I think you should. Yeah. But I think it's so good. Just like I think Dark Knight is so good. Uh, the, the other movie we were talking about just Fury now, Road. Free Road, is so good. You don't have to see it in theaters to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it's better in theaters. But I think if you can watch Blade Runner in theaters, it is not a necessity. Yeah. All right, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap up our show today. Uh, we spent a little long on top 10 movie stars, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed the conversation. So get in on the conversation. Share your thoughts on the Facebook page. If you guys want to find me, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find the Action Movie Anatomy fan page on Facebook. It's just Action Movie Anatomy fan page. And the Twitter at AMA Podcast. Uh, you guys, we, we normally talk about which of the three action movie categories the movie fits into. Some of the movies we've done recently really feel like we don't need to do the ranking. Mm-hmm. I think it goes without saying for both of us this week, this is totally legitimate. Absolutely. Yeah. I think or else a, it would not work. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a pretty easy one. Uh, last but not least, guys, we do have one last thing to do, and that is the, the pitch. pitch. And uh, yeah, guys, we got the foreigner coming up. Next yeah, week. I'm so excited. It's got great reviews. Chan is back. Jackie Chan. Yeah, go. I watch. don't want any trouble. <laughs> it's good. It's real good. Go watch Who Am I? Go watch Rumble and Blancs. Catch up on Jackie Chan. Rush Hour Four just got released, or yeah, I mean uh, announced. Announced. Yeah, it was confirmed in the press tour for the Foreigner. So I'm real excited sure. for this. We almost did Rumble in the Bronx, but I think we'll just watch it this week to prep for the Foreigner. It looks friggin' sweet. Uh, you got Brosnan in there. I think this movie's gonna be great. So I used to work for Tyrest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, That's it, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.